Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Arthur Staple, uh, your co-host of No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic, joined as always by my good friend Mark Parrish. Uh, Mark, we actually, we, we didn't intend for this to be the trade deadline story, but now <laughs> now we got to talk some trade deadline because some stuff has happened. Yeah, sometimes the stories just kind of force us to go in some direction. Exactly, exactly. So uh, the Islanders did make a move on Sunday. Uh, they traded a 2021 second round pick um, and minor leaguer David Quenville, who uh, ironically is uh, Johnny Boychuk's nephew by marriage, which kind of bittersweet, I'd guess, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for Andy Green. And, um, you know, what did you think when you saw that move come across the wire and uh, seeing him play a game in Arizona? Just, you know, how did you feel like he fit in? Uh, you know, the first game can can always be a little bit tough. There's always some adjustment period uh, when you get traded. And it sounds silly, but even when you just look down and you see the color of your gloves and the color of your jersey, you look down at the puck, there's always those little things. So it, uh, with Andy uh, being the veteran that he is, uh, you know, he just went out there and played his game. It, it can be the other side of the coin, not that the, there's a whole lot of difference in the systems in which they play, but all different coaches, they all have different emphasis and what they emphasize as the most important thing. So there's that, that little hint of, of doubt, even with a guy like Andy Green that's been around for 900-some games in the NHL of, well, is this exactly what uh, Coach Trotz wants from me? That being said, I thought he looked great. He just he looked fine. He just went out there and played. Uh, you got to get used to your team's voices, your teammates' voices. And I think he just did just fine. And I assume he's just going to get more and more, or he's, excuse me, he's going to just get more and more comfortable with practices and with games. And it's in a, in a way, it's nice that... Uh, He's on the road right now. He goes out on the road. He's got to get into a hotel. He's got to travel with the guys, get on a plane, so you get that one-on-one time. That was uh, that was big for me when I got traded from New York to L.A. It was right in the middle of a road trip. So you're on the hotel with the guys. It's, it's not like you just kind of disperse into your own families and do your own thing. When you're on the road, you really get close. You really get to know your teammates. And it's nice to get that right after you get traded as as the new guy. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought he fit in kind of as advertised. You know, mm-hmm. when we heard uh, about the deal, and Lou was talk, Lou Lamarilla was talking on the conference call that obviously he knows Andy well. He's the one who signed him as an undrafted free agent out of Miami of Ohio back in two thousand six. Um, he's been a captain in New Jersey for a couple of years, and I just think uh, you know people look at the age and see that he's thirty seven, and like you said, you know, over nine hundred games, but. Um, and not necessarily because Jersey's been depleted on D. This is probably the best, you know, the most um, oh, yeah. well-rounded defense that Devils have had in the last couple of years. He's still playing 20 minutes a night, one yeah. of the league leaders in shorthanded uh, ice time. So I think in terms of the fit, and that was what Lou accentuated, it's what Barry Trotz accentuated, I think because of the way the Islanders are built, and we've talked about it a lot, there were there were some guys that you could have taken maybe a bigger swing on whether on D or up front, and we'll talk about what the yeah. options are up front in a little bit. But um, fit seems to, fit character. You know those some of those words that uh, that make some people roll their eyes because they want <laughs> they want the the big name and the guy that's going to score forty and all these other things. But this is a this is a capital T team, and there's not yep. other than Matthew Barzell, maybe Ryan Pollock on the back end. There's no one that really stands out, and I think with Adam Pellick being gone, they they got kind of a, a, a more senior version of Adam Pellick, a very steady, <laughs> under-the-radar guy who's not going to be flashy, 
He's just going to get the puck out when he needs to. He's going to get it on somebody's stick when he needs to. He's going to be physical in his own end, and and that's really what he brought on Monday. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved his poise. You could see the the the. Uh, he just doesn't get rattled out there. And with a with a team like with Trots, with a guy add like that, doesn't add any panic and just kind of does the right thing. Uh, he almost had to, and I kind of find myself almost searching for him during that game in Arizona. And that's a good thing because that means he's doing everything right. He's not he's not making mistakes back there on the back end. So I, I really like this deal. And uh, every, for everything he went through, he just fits in with, with Trotz and, and uh, Lou's style of hockey and with this team. Yeah, you know, and I think um, we've started to see a couple other deals uh, f- come up in the last few days. I think even just a little while ago before we started recording, uh, Ottawa made their first move. They sent uh, Dylan DeMello, a, a younger right-handed defenseman to Winnipeg for a third rounder this year and I'm sure I'm going to get the inevitable hey we overpaid for our guy and he's 10 years older and um, you know I, I, I think the price is the price and Andy Green has a no trade clause he he was very clear that he wasn't going to waive it for too many people I would think if you know if you're Lou Lamarillo and you know he's only going to waive it maybe for you or one or two other teams Maybe you could extract uh, a, a little bit less of a cost, but um, but I think in this case, seeing what he'd seen uh, in the last couple weeks, that uh, Nick Letty had started to had started to tilt a little downward with some extra minutes and some heavy uh, penalty kill minutes, which is something he's hardly ever done in his ten year career. Johnny Boychuk was starting to hit a little bit of a wall. Um, Noah Dobson really had a had a sincerely rough game in Vegas, especially in that second period when Vegas tilted the ice. So I think they just were out of options right there, and, and Green was the one that they'd been targeting for a while. Lou mentioned that uh, right when Pellick went down back the first week of January, he put in a call. It was Ray Shiro then as the GM uh, and said, um, just putting it out there, if he'd be willing to waive his no trade, we'd be interested. I don't think Ray ended up had enough time on the job to have that conversation with Andy Green, but Tom Fitzgerald mm. did. Um and I think in the last couple of weeks, it was really in Andy Green's court, and it sounded like he talked it over with his wife. They got a couple of little boys at home in Jersey, and he said, you know, he sounded like he was he was game. And um, you know, to have someone who's probably never been in that situation before, a guy who's played for one team his whole career, and probably never really gotten to the edge of unrestricted free agency or being a possible rental pickup. Um, like you said, he he had the poise and he handled it really well, and. Um, you know, I think that's exactly what they need. They, you know, I think even, even though they lost in Arizona last night, um, I think you saw a a re-energized Nick Letty didn't have to go out there and kill penalties. He was all over the ice, hit the post again. Um, he made about six rushes deep into the zone to try to set things up. Um, you know, I, uh, just the way that their minutes were distributed on D, I don't think anybody played more than maybe 20, 22 that, uh, yesterday, which, is ideal, you know, in a game where it's that yep. tight and you're usually relying on a couple of guys, they were able to roll everybody. And um, I'm sure that just the comfort level for Barry and the coaches to make it feel a, little, a lot more like last season when they were able to roll those three pairs is uh, is huge for them. Yeah, it, it, like you said, that, and that's Trotz's, that's his MO, he likes that. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, it started a while ago. There's still some defensemen. Uh, that you know, they love to play those big minutes. I mean, you look way back in the day with us and the Islanders and Adrian O'Coin playing like forty minutes a night, and that's just <laughs> nuts. It's just, it's just so much, especially when you're looking as a team that that wants to go on. They're moving forward, and you're planning on making a run in the playoffs. 
you need those guys more at their top end at 20 minutes as opposed to kind of, I shouldn't say kind of, as opposed to pacing themselves for 40 minutes. That's something that you can see. I think that the most recent one is actually in Minnesota with the Wild with Ryan Suter. I mean, he fought out. He wanted to be that. He wanted to play those minutes. He felt better that way. He wanted to make sure he could, you know, be that guy. That was his goal. That was one of the ways he loved to play. But that's not just the best for him, but for everybody else. And now you get to see that trend. And Quinville did it really well in Chicago. I mean, Duncan Keith is, is, was winning, uh, uh, yep. Norris trophies. I kept want to say, <laughs> can't want to say Con Smythe. The, uh, the Norris I think trophies. It, I think he won one of those too. Anyway, so yeah, that one of the <laughs> you would have been you wouldn't have been wrong. <laughs> Should have ran with it. Um, yeah, he's you know he's playing twenty two minutes a night. So it was one of those. That was one. You looking around the league at everybody, and you're looking at players like that uh, with um, Suter playing forty minutes, and it's just completely unnecessary. And then you start to look at it, and that just doesn't work going through the playoffs. You see yeah. those teams that go on to win, and it. Because of everybody else, you're hindering not just uh, how hard you can play the game every shift in every shift every night at 40 minutes, but you're hindering the development of somebody else that could, I mean, that's 20 minutes of everyone else's ice time you're taking away. So you're not really helping anybody else get better and not letting them get ready for a playoffs or move forward in their uh, progression. So I love the fact that they're falling back on this and starting to realize that, hey, let's, let's, we got to pace this. We go to the Stanley Cup Finals. These guys are going to be dead, and there is no way he is going to survive four seven-game series playing that many minutes. And, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of an adjustment period, but it's a team move, and it's something that you just got to swallow your pride and play your way and play your best at it. And that's, I think, the one. The other thing that even Ryan out here has realized, he's playing better hockey now that he's playing half the minutes because he can put more into those half 20 minutes. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, Obviously, when they made that trade, it, it, I think a lot of people said, well, we're not scoring. We're coming off two games where mm-hmm. we were shut out. Why are we train, trading for a stay-at-home defenseman? And I think when you look at the way that they were able to break the puck out against Arizona versus how they were trying to break the puck out against Nashville and Vegas, um, it just looked cleaner. You know, I think I think it's a mental load off of guys like yeah. Ryan Pollock and Devon Taves and Nick Letty where they're not being forced to, to – do way more than they need to be doing because they're essentially playing five guys and spotting Noah Dobson in. Uh, and it's not good for Noah Dobson either. I mean, I you know, playing is better than not playing, but I think for a young guy, sometimes when you get in a bit of a funk and you're not, you know, you're he's being asked to play as offside uh, as a 20-year-old. He's, he's yeah. being thrown in. You're on the road. You're never going to get the matchups you want. He, he gets thrown out there cold after sitting on the bench for four or five minutes, and he's got Mark Stone or Philip Forsberg staring him down, you're bound to make mistakes. And I think um, this was um, th- this just seemed to flow a lot better. You know, the, the breakouts were better. I think what really kind of was the deciding factor in that second period in Vegas where they were outshot, I think, 20-7 to 7 or 20-8, to 8, they just couldn't get the puck out of their own end. And it was Dobson yeah. a lot of times, but it was some other guys too. And I think, you know, some of that's on the forwards. You can't always blame the just the six guys on D. Yep. But – when they feel the strain, whether it's mental or physical or wearing down, and you can't break out, then there is no hope of having offense. So, exactly. Uh, so, it, you know, all these things are all kind of of the same piece. And Andy Green is not necessarily, you know, he did get a point on the one goal that they scored so far on this road trip, <laughs> but he's not there for that. He's there to, no. to, to smooth everything out. And I think first, first blush, um, things look pretty smooth. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and to go along with that, with uh, uh, Dallas, when I was in Dallas, 
we had we had all kinds of scores up front with Madonna and Brad Richards and uh, uh, Rebe, all these guys. Like there is uh, so many offense, so much awesome. James Neal as a youngster going in, and we couldn't get out of our end, so it didn't matter that we had all the scoring up front. Like you said, we if you can't get it out of your end, which starts with the defenseman, they can't make that first pass or get it out of that. You know, get it up below the goal line. The teams would just cycle on us. It doesn't matter how many good forwards you had. You're not going to get the puck across the blue line. You might as well have five defensemen out there. <laughs> well, having said that, they do have one goal in the last three games, and it was their first three-game regulation losing streak under Barry Trotz, uh, and they're in Denver right now and preparing for that game tomorrow. Not going to be an easy one. Um, and there are some forwards being moved around. Most notably, last night, Tyler Toffoli uh, was moved. We had certainly talked about him as a possibility for the Islanders. Um, yep. When you saw the cost, I think uh, that probably took the Islanders out of the running. Uh, a second-round pick this year, Tyler Madden, John Madden's son, who's uh, kind of matured at Northeastern into a, a, oh, a pretty high-level prospect. Very um, good. I saw him this year. He's a very good hockey player. Yeah, yeah. He'll, uh, he'll be able to be playing in L.A. soon enough. Uh, and the Islanders just don't have a, a forward prospect like that. If they did have a forward prospect that, that was that close to the NHL, he'd probably be in the NHL right now. So mm-hmm. um, I think that was a little too rich for the Islanders' blood to, to give yeah. up for Toffoli, who's a, who's a rental. Uh, and also, as a side note, hearing that Vancouver now, Brock Besser's out for the yeah. year, Michael Furlan's out for the year, Josh Levo's out for the year, you kind of wonder why they're mortgaging some futures to add one guy when they're clearly missing a bunch of guys. But that's for them to worry about. Um, this is the Islanders podcast, not yeah, the Canucks that podcast. Is right, that is right. Um, but we do need to address uh, what the Islanders may be thinking about because they did uh, kind of surprisingly put Cole Bardrow on waivers yesterday. Uh, he cleared today, went back to Bridgeport. So now they're down to down to twenty two guys on their roster, which sort of indicates either they want some flexibility or Lou had something in the chamber that he was ready to unload the minute that that Bardrow cleared waivers today. That didn't happen. But uh, but it seems pretty clear that he's ready to to make another move, and I think it's warranted. You know, you looked at the bottom six that yeah. they've been rolling out the last couple of games. It's 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 rough, and they you know I think yeah. le- yesterday in Arizona, you know Kiefer Bellows and Ross Johnson got minimal minutes. Um, it was really kind of for- rotating Derek Broussard with th- three guys on his wing, so it was essentially ten forwards, and we've seen that a lot from the Islanders this year. And much like with the defense, when they're playing five guys and spotting Noah Dobson in. It doesn't really work very well, and they're hamstrung no. without Casey Sezikis, without Cal Clutterbuck, who both seem to be at least weeks away, um, and they don't really have a lot of time to sort this out. Having lost three in a row, they're 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 you know they're the games in hand they have on Columbus and Philly are dwindling. Columbus and Philly both play tonight. Uh, if that's a three point game, the Islanders drop back to the last wild card. So yeah. um, things are getting tight, and I think with the deadline coming up, I I have a feeling they're going to make a move. I don't don't really feel like it's going to be. A headline-making move, but um, but uh, do you feel the same way that they kind of need a, an extra veteran body in that bottom six? Yeah, I, I completely agree. The, the just and just to give like a jolt of energy, if anything, right now. And I know it's three games, three games losing streak, and they, those are not fun to be a part of. But but I got to make up a three. This is the first three-game losing streak that they've had under Coach Trotz. That's absolutely incredible. There's that happens yearly, annual. It seems like to everyone, and for them to just finally hit that 
point, I think, uh, is something that the Islanders fans have got to, the faithful has got to realize that how good of a situation they really are in uh, with Coach Trotz. Uh, they aren't in the greatest position, as you said, or situation because of the injuries um, that they're dealing with right now, because I don't, they're not in a position to where they can uh, really leverage a bunch of their young guys. They, they, they've got, they need some of these guys to come back, even with adding one, adding someone, adding a veteran, adding, adding an energy guy, someone that you can, uh, you know, third, fourth line, whatever it is, maybe a guy that can mix up on the second line, which is not always easy to come by, is, is enormous. But more importantly, they got to get those other guys healthy too. They need they need that depth. That was one of the things. I mean, watching that, you know, the Martin Clutterbuck, Zeke's line in the playoffs. That was the most fun line to watch for the first two rounds. For crying out loud, they were so much fun, and they're working so hard. They need that depth. This isn't a team with, uh, you know, the McKinnon superstar line. Even though uh, it looks like Rantanen's out for a little while now too, but still Landeskog and McKinnon. They don't have that uh, that one line that can totally carry them through a playoff round. Not just a couple games, but through a playoff round. So they need that depth. And I like that move. And I certainly hope uh, that Lou can pull off that kind of move. But more more importantly, I need Zizekas and Clutterbuck to get back off of the IR. Yeah. Yeah. That, that will help order some things. But I think also, even with that, um, you know, the search for kind of that 12th Mm -hmm. guy, it's been Bellows, it's been Johnson. I think Michael Dalcall is, you know, had some had some decent games. Tom Kunakel's been in and out. Bardro's been up and down. We saw a bit of Oliver Wallstrom. We saw a bit of Otto Koivula. Um, I think if they can get that 12th guy, or right now probably your 11th guy until Sezikis yeah. and Clutterbuck come back, um, th- they'll be a lot better off. And, yep. um, you know, I threw out some names in the story that I wrote uh, that, that went up last night. Uh, you know, a guy like Derek Grant, who is certainly not a big name and has been available to everybody multiple times over the years. I think he's on a <laughs> he's on a sixth team now, a second go around in Anaheim, but he's got 14 goals this year. He's about a 55% faceoff guy, kills penalties, um, and he's the kind of guy that can stay that can come here for a small cost. You know, if it's anything more than a conditional third or fourth round pick, that would seem to be a lot. But he's a guy if you brought him in. He comes in. He fills that. He fills Sezikis's role. They've got four centers now. And then when Sezikis comes back, Broussard moves to the wing. If if you feel like that's he's more effective there on that second line, and Josh Bailey can play with Grant, maybe with Komarov on the other side. I think. Yeah. I think just to have more, more consistent options because I, you know, I I understand when people feel like well Ross Johnson and Matt Martin they both shouldn't be in the lineup. That's probably true. But Ross Johnson is a seven minute a night guy. You know, Matt Martin was out there yesterday as on the top penalty killing unit with Leo Komarov and did a fantastic job. So I think, you know, Matt is, uh, is a little bit more valuable to this lineup. Um, And then you look at a guy like Kiefer Bellows, who probably needs to be uh, in a, in a more consistent role to be effective. He's not, you know, he was kind of mixing it on the fourth line, every other shift. Um, That's not what he needs to be doing right now. You know, it's a guy who's only playing six or seven minutes and no special teams, um, isn't going to help them. It's not going to help him. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, so I feel like there is there is a spot there, whether it's Grant, I think Tyler Ennis uh, from Ottawa is another guy who's been around the league a long time who can put the puck in the net and win a few face-offs and give, a, give some face washes to some other people. <laughs> um, Connor Sheary, who's not a center, but most, you know, primarily a winger in Buffalo, has a history of scoring goals. Um, also kind of, a, you know, can be a, an, an effort energy guy when you need him to be. Um, and I think... Uh, you know, if you're looking to 
the guys like J.G. Pajot, who's maybe the, mo- the most ideal guy to bring in because he's a true number yes. three center. Yes. Is that cost really something they, that Lou is, a, can, is willing to pay? He's, he's given away, uh, traded away his second rounder next, in next draft in 2021. I mean, there's time to recoup that thing, that that pick in the summertime, but you know, those yeah. you never know what you can do. So he's traded that one away. Is he going to trade away a first or a second this year? Um, it, it seem the first would seem to be a stretch. You know, if it's a second yeah. for Pajot, then there's going to have to be a decent prospect going the other way. I think you know Pajot is not maybe not the the consistent scorer that Tyler Toffoli was, but he's a center. Centers are way more valuable. Um, he's a guy that can slot in on a good team. And, and not feel, you know, pissed off that he's not playing top six minutes, which he's certainly getting plenty of in Ottawa. But he's he's yep. been a traditional third line guy, uh-huh. so that's going to cost you. And if the and if the the market's been set with the Toffoli deal, it's not going to be anything less than than a second and a prospect, and maybe even you know a depth roster player just to sort of even things out, or a first. And um, and that's a big price to pay for the Islanders right now. I wouldn't be in favor of that. I would not like to see a first rounder, um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I do love uh, Pajot. I love what you said about that because I think he would fit in the best. I just I don't see the Islanders being able to to sacrifice to you know to give up anything that they have in the minors or 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 more draft picks at that point. I you know, and I might be a little biased because I play with Derek Grant in Portland and in my career. <laughs> And he's just, he's a great kid. He's a great guy. You know, he, he, he does anything and everything with a smile on his face. Like you said, he can take face-offs. Uh, he even played a little bit of wing back then. I don't know if he can still kind of just slide over there. But, uh, you know, one of those guys that just took uh, took took care of all the little things in the game. Maybe he wasn't a prolific scorer. Maybe he didn't fill the back of the net like as many other guys did. But he did so many little things so well at that point. And that's part of the reason you see him kind of kind of bouncing around is, is that he can kind of fill that spot. He can fill the hole where there's whether there's injuries and whatnot. And then he comes back and if he has to be the thirteenth guy, his attitude, he's he's perfectly fine with that. He understands his role. So I think I'd I'd like to see someone like that come in just be main for the reason. Yeah, some little bias, but the main reason I'm just really nervous about Lou. I, I don't know how much I want to see him giving away future. Depending on what it is, you know, depending on the pick or anything, I I don't really wouldn't want to see like a first rounder. I don't know exactly which prospect we would give up if we were going to go to a second rounder for Pajo, or uh, maybe if if there could be some kind of deal thrown in there, like if we sign them to a long term contract, okay, fine, then that second rounder will turn into a late first, you know, whatever, some kind of situation like that. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd kind of rather see them go for, for kind of a middle of the road or maybe their second or third choice as opposed to sacrificing too much for the first choice. If he's not, especially if he's just going to be a rental, that's the big concern. If he's just a rental, I don't want to see that much paid for him. Yeah. And it, it is, uh, you know, if you see, we've seen some deals like that in past couple of years a conditional pick if it was a conditional mm-hmm. second based on yeah. the Islanders making the conference finals which would yeah, guarantee exactly. it, guarantee it being 28 through 31 yeah. um, then you're not quite as you don't feel quite as bad giving up a first but exactly but yeah but if it is a second there's gonna there's gonna be a, a real yeah. prospect involved and I don't you know when you I, look I at like the, that <laughs> when you look at the when you look at the Islanders uh, the roster in Bridgeport or some of their picks that are elsewhere it's hard to identify someone that another team could say, you know, you see some of the picks that have been traded, uh, diff- all different kind of deals, but you saw uh, Kalen Addison, who was, uh, you know, go to yeah. go from Pittsburgh to Minnie. Uh, he was probably Pittsburgh's best 
prospect yeah. that wasn't in the pros. I mean, that's that's a lot to that's trade. A, T- Tyler absolutely. Madden, maybe maybe Vancouver's best amateur prospect right now. Um, it's uh, these are these are big deals. You know, it's yeah. it's it doesn't seem like it now. And I think we you know we all have a tendency, fans or, or reporters, when you're looking when you you watch these guys come from draft day through prospect camps through the minors, whatever. Um, you have a tendency to overvalue them because they're they're the guys that are homegrown, but also you know I think I talked to one executive uh, last month when I did my trade board and said you know we only like Noah Dobson like of the every guy that they have is either a bit of a reach right now whether you're talking about a Wallstrom or even Simon Holmstrom is starting to come on a little bit in Bridgeport their first round pick from last June, yep, um, or they're guys that just don't move the needle for them, whether it's Josh Hosang or Kiefer Bellows. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't see that their prospect pool outside of Dobson and maybe Ilya Sorokin, but that's a different situation. I think the Islanders are focused yeah. on bringing him here to play here at the yeah. end of his KHL season. Um, they don't really move the needle very much. You, you got to have some of those B, B minus B plus level prospects to be able to wheel and deal this time of year. So if you're just offering picks, got to be a good pick um <laughs> if you want to get a guy like Pajo. so yeah. we'll see what happens we'll see what happens you know i think um it all you know if you find the the gm that's willing to make the deal um sometimes you can get a bargain sometimes you can get one where people might think you paid too much like with the green deal but um yeah but the goal i think for the islanders right now is they want to make the playoffs and they want to be able to make a little noise when they get there even if it looks like kind of the top four in the East, Boston, Tampa, Washington, Pittsburgh are starting to separate a little bit. Um, I think the Islanders feel like when they're uh, at full strength and playing the way that they can play, you know, they just beat Washington a couple weeks ago. They've taken two of three from the Penguins this year. They beat the Bruins. They beat Tampa twice. I think they, I think they don't have to go so far to convince themselves that they can compete with these teams. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you want to see that obviously they, they find a way to raise their game, raise their level of play against the best teams. Uh, and I've been on teams like that before. I've actually been on teams like that with, with about out on Long Island. Uh, and the only thing you can't do is you, you can't take a break then against the bottom. You still gotta, you gotta beat the teams you're expected to beat as well as, you know, if you can find a way to raise that, to raise your game to the occasions against the best teams in the East or best teams in the West, best teams in the league, mind you, just with that. Uh, yeah, and, and it just, man, I, I, I just keep going back to that. I guess I get nervous if they're going to sacrifice too much just for this year. I, I think they're a playoff team. I think they're going to pull it off. Yes, I think they definitely need to fill a hole or two. Uh, but it's it's one of these, they're in such a rare gray area of building of being so close to being one of the top teams in the NHL. I just, I, these, honestly, I think about this with uh, t- teams across the league. I feel horrible for GMs that are in this situation because you want to go for it. You want to win. You want to do this. But then at the same time, you've got to look two, three years down the road. Like, okay, well, do I have to make the unfortunate decision to say, you know what? This isn't our year. And somehow st- send a message to that, those guys in the locker room that, no, no, we're going for it here this year. We need it this year. We believe in this team. Those are, those are tough situations to be in. And those, these are the, these are the times Lou Lamarillo and all the rest of the GMs. This is where they, where they earn their big bucks. There's some tough decisions, uh, coming down the line and just here in just the next couple of weeks. They just got to, excuse me, next couple of days, <laughs> they have to make these decisions. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an, an interesting spot that they're in, and, and you also have to consider if they if there's a guy out there that we haven't really thought about, whether it's someone who's a, a potential restricted free agent. I think we've heard um, 
also from the Ducks, Andre Kasha, who's hurt right now, but is a guy who's been rumored to be on the market or and out in Detroit, Andrea Sathanasiu, who's uh, pending RFA, has had kind of a bumpy ride there over the last yeah. couple of years. But if you need, if you add another guy that you need to sign, they've got three of their own guys yeah. that they need to sign, and Polak, Taves, and obviously Barzal. Um, yeah. And they've got some long-term contracts that they're wrangling with. You know, Andrew Ladd is still uh, mostly on the books. Thomas Hickey still has uh, a decent chunk of his contract on the books. Leo Komarov has a couple more years. I mean, these couple of these guys could be buyout candidates, I suppose, if they don't fit yeah. into the Islanders' plans. But those are those are not zero sum deals. You don't just bring in a guy like <laughs> Athanasiu for a second round pick, let's say, or whatever you can you can wrangle for him, and then say, yeah, we'll sign him next summer and we'll figure it out. Well, you gotta. You, there's no figuring it out later, <laughs> like there used to be for GMs in the. Way right. back before there was a salary cap, and certainly oh. uh, in the beginning of the cap year. And I think, you know, before um, Lou Lamarello brought Steve Pellegrini on, who's still his assistant GM and moved with him from Jersey, uh, Lou had some had some cap issues uh, with the Devils back in kind of the, the oh, early yeah. days of the cap. Oh, and, yes, he and, did. And they, they, they made some, some errors in judgment with some of their contracts, and uh, he was able to make some of them go away, and they obviously had their big run in 2012, but but uh, that that – franchise was left in kind of a precarious state when he left yeah. for Toronto. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot, um, there's a lot that goes into these transactions. And obviously you're, if you're a fan, you just want to, you know, you want to see your team do something. And I think they did do something, even if a lot of fans felt like it might not have been the main thing that they needed to do. And, you know, I think, uh, even going back before Lou with Garth Snow, uh, who was fairly gun shy at making big deals at the deadline. You know, obviously the Ryan Smith one from his first year helped get them to the playoffs, but he did give up some assets then, none of which really panned out for Edmonton, but it was still, uh, you know, a big trade for the time, and they didn't end up signing Ryan Smith. Um, and really since then, not a lot at the deadline, and uh, and obviously Lou has been pretty quiet since he got on board. So it's it's uh, it's just hard to commit to these deals, and I think. You know, you see now how difficult it is to make these deals yeah. uh, because they're kind of wild swings. You know, the first Ugh. one we saw last week was the Leafs filling a need with um, with getting Jack Campbell in there uh, and Kyle Clifford from L.A. Um, yeah. Didn't give up a ton, but uh, but still, you know, some assets going the other way. And then the, the Pittsburgh mini deal for Jason Zucker uh, and Pittsburgh, you know, Jim Rutherford. I don't think he can he can go a couple months without making a big trade. So. <laughs> Um, but some of the, you know, and just some, seeing some of the other ones, and really the Toffoli deal for me was uh, was the most interesting because that was a guy that had been rumored for a long time. You would have thought there were a lot of people involved, and and LA did really well in that one. And so, um, yeah. you know, it does seem to be a bit of a seller's market. We'll see how the next few days unfold when when more teams maybe kind of want to, get, you know, that maybe were on the fence about selling. Say, well, if we can recoup this kind of <laughs> this kind of haul, maybe we'll get in on it. But that but that means that exactly. means if you're but that means if you're a buyer like the Islanders, the prices mm-hmm. don't get much cheaper. So, um, you know, I think that's all that to me says, knowing the way Lou has built this team and the way Barry coaches this team, that that they're not going to make make any major alterations and they're going to they're going to go for a guy who, you know, a Derek Grant like we were talking about or um you know yeah. if if only Franz Nielsen was on an expiring deal, you I think a guy like that to come mm-hmm. back would be uh, yeah. would be a, a real nice situation um for sure. You know, Trevor Lewis out in LA who's, you know, these these are not guys that are going to score you big goals necessarily, but they are going to they are going to fit in well and they're going to yeah. put some 
put you know take a little bit of the heat off some of the top six guys, guys that have been around, guys, some guys that have won. Um, so we'll see. Um, you know, I I I do feel something is going to happen, but I don't know if it's going to be the thing that that makes everybody go, "Wow, the Islanders are really going for it." Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I I feel like there are there's still going to be a move or maybe two, but yeah, they're they're just they're not in a position to go after the the, the big studs or that you know the, the guys that are out there that that are setting the market. Obviously, with the to Foley, yeah, like you said, that was a great deal. I just don't I just don't see them being able to pull that off without sacrificing way too much of the future. Yeah, um, and I guess lastly, since uh, the, you know they had it was like a hundred and sixty-six minute goalless streak, and the game in Arizona was was oh, those are know, miserable. We were, we were la- I mean, it's you, 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 and I, my feeling is not as strong, but in the press box, I'm just chuckling to myself watching them. You know, hit three posts, and yeah. um, you know, puck goes ninety percent over the line, and stay. You know, if it was on edge, it would have been a goal, but it stays out. It you, you have to laugh to keep from crying when you go through a stretch <laughs> like that, and you, I, I imagine that. You know, especially that uh, 2000, 2001 team, you probably, probably oh. got shut out a lot. When you feel like it's not going in, do you really go to a place of like, well, we're never going to score again, and that's the end of that? <laughs> or do you just. Uh, awfully close to there. <laughs> awfully close. I don't know if I ever went off that, that, that big of a cliff to where it never felt like we were going to score again, but it it just gets that much harder. And the more the more you think about it, the more pressure you're putting on yourselves. And uh, after you go a couple of games and, and you, you can't score, especially a guy like me, myself, that, that was my job was scoring goals. I felt like I was letting the whole team down as opposed to, uh, you know, guys like Aaron Cairns and, and Webby, when they're going through, they think it's hysterical that we can't <laughs> score. <laughs> they're 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 laughing. I was like, oh my god, how many games are we gonna go in a row? And you know, us goal scorers, uh, top six are sitting there with their hand or head in our hands, going, why can't we get the puck in the net? What are we doing wrong? And it just builds, and the more it gets on you, the more it gets on you, you do get to a point where you can't help but laugh at it. It's just it's ridiculous. You hit posts. It, puck bounces all these little things just seem to pile up and then all of a sudden one puck goes in off somebody's butt or off somebody's shin or some kind of ridiculous bounce and then it's all over floodgates open you're right back to normal it's it's one of the weirdest situations you can go through as a professional hockey player i've been through it way too many times and you just gotta remember to stick with it sometimes the game just isn't nice to you and that's kind of one of those moments. As long as you can focus, you continue doing all the other little things. That's when you really look at your game. Like, all right, am I in the right position? Am I back checking? Am I helping out on the faceoffs? Uh, am I getting back and playing good defensive zone? Am I ready for the ready for the breakout? Am I ready to cut across? You want to do all the other little things in the game as well as possible, almost to perfection, banking on eventually that puck's going to go in. <laughs> Yeah, and I, th- I would imagine that uh, the Anders Lee, Matthew Barzell, Jordan Eberle line is feeling oh, that. I think they had 19 <sighs> shot attempts between the three of them. Uh, I think Anders <sighs> is up to 20 shot attempts uh, in the last three games. Which is and, amazing. Yeah, and it's all you know, it's all in his wheelhouse, all right from right in front of the net, and uh, and nothing's going in. And, you know, pucks yeah. hopping a little bit this way. He was pretty upbeat after the game. Yesterday, you know, because I've talked to when you're like you said, when you're a goal scorer, you end up kind of having the same conversations. Whether you're, when things are going good, yeah, you, you know, yeah. we all the media go over and say, "Hey, things are going pretty good," or when they're going dry, you say, "Hey, what's going on?" And it's really, 
you know, sometimes it's just luck, you know, and, and, yeah. and he was kind of saying like, there's definitely those times when you're parked in front of the net and you say, all right, I'm going to turn this way. My guy's going to shoot it. This is, we worked on this a million times. I'm just going to tap it down. I'm going to look for a rebound and you turn and the pucks on the other side of the, at the other point and they're shooting it the other way. And you're like, well, what the hell was that? Why am I, why am I, what am I thinking here? But he said, yep. this, this is not that he's like, the pucks are there. My stick is there. The chances are there. We're creating every shift. Um, yeah. it's going to happen. So you obviously, like you said, you have to have that, even if you're feeling privately that you may never score yeah. again, you have to have that project that confidence. And I think maybe the only, the only tweak for that line, I think we're at, uh, two goals in 23 games now for Matthew Barzal. I think, I think you'd like to see him get back to that more of that dual threat that he was the first 30, 35 games where he was really yeah. looking to shoot as opposed to, you know, especially power play on the half wall. He's been, He's been kind of trying to draw guys to him, and and I think it's it, there's a little bit of predictability now in his game when he's got yeah. the puck in the offensive zone. I mean, he still had some crazy setups uh, yesterday. He set one up for Eberle behind his back, where Eberle hit the post and couldn't believe he hit the post. Um, so I think his playmaking game for Barzal is still on point, but but maybe to yeah. to reintroduce some of those you know the deceptive shots or driving more towards the net just to get people thinking a little bit more. For sure, and that'll that'll open up uh, the passing lines, on the, especially on the power play. You got to establish that shot. If you're not a threat to shoot, well, then you've got you're forced to be creative to make a passing play. You threat to shoot, then they get to back off. You get a couple of shots through, then next thing you know, the uh, the box breaks down, the passing lanes open up, and and that's when the pretty highlight film plays all of a sudden just happen where it's a tic tac toe, and that's all because of you've already established a shot, and the PKers are kind of running around with the chickens with their head cut off. Uh, and then to just to go back quickly on, on that line, and yeah, the, the 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 one thing that's important to remember about those guys with Lee and everything, as long as you're getting chances, that's all you can ask for. They're not always going to go in. You don't have to worry about that now. Don't be concerned about it. Yes, it's it's that's easier said than done when you're not scoring goals. It's time to worry when you're not even getting the chances. If they're not even getting chances that's when the panic button starts to get hit. That's where you wonder, okay, what's really going on here? Maybe they've been, you know, because the chances of them maybe just running into a hot goaltender or just missing, hitting posts, like you said. As long as the chances are there, it, it's it's okay. You don't have to tie up the noose. But once the ch- once the <laughs> chances start going away, then sh- then hide the shoelaces. <laughs> well, that's a little that's a little grim, but I'll uh, I'll agree with you on that. Um, I think we've covered it all for now. Um, Thanks as always to Mark. Thanks to you all listening out there. Uh, I think maybe by the time we're, we're back uh, with you at the end of this week, we might have another trade to discuss. <laughs> Ooh, I'd put money on it. Um, and we'll at the very least have a have a chance to talk about uh, the big John Tonelli night coming up on Friday. Uh, yeah. Put put a number in the rafters hasn't happened in a long time for the Islanders, so that'll be that'll be a fun evening to to kind of go over and, and think about as a former player what those feelings are when you see something like that. Um, sure. So thanks again, and thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you soon.